Hello, and welcome to Modern Homemakers. I'm Leah Parker, and I'm here with Donna Otto, author of seven books and great teacher. And we're here today uh, with her to talk through Job, possibly not everyone's favorite book of the Bible. Um, and specifically, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Think of the power of those words. Uh, and we do kind of run away from Job because who wants to hear the sadness, the pain of it? Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. I think they may be, for me, nine of the most powerful words um, spoken by a person of the scripture. There are 42 chapters to the book of Job, um, and they're really not certain who the author is. Most likely, it is Job. It's the oldest book in the Bible. If we go to buy a Bible that's in chronological order, Job is first. Uh, so most people do find this book quite sad and discouraging. I, I guess I'm always awed. <laughs> not not always, but often. I find it very stimulating and very exciting. And in this culture that we are living in, and I say that sentence sometimes and I hear myself and I think, everybody's lived in a culture just like we're living in. Hmm. Every culture has had its terrific upheavals, these opportunities as we talked uh, the last time we were together, to be wise or to be unwise. Growing deeper is all is the net result of all these difficult things. Lee and I were talking uh, between our podcast today about all that has changed since 2020 when COVID hit our country and everybody had an opinion and whose opinion was right and what which medical communion community would you believe in and the schools were sparring i mean these are difficult things but job says that growing deeper we will be able to say his words though he god slay me yet will i trust him three times in the first 25 verses of this long book 42 chapters, Job is described, and I'm going to read them to you. Verse 1, there was once a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Did you hear that? Blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Verse 1, verse 8, Chapter 2, verse 3. Blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. When our daughter was growing up, I noticed in her, uh, as she related to me, that it was much how I related to God. See if this is familiar. We would go to the park. We'd swing and slide and play in the sand. Uh, She'd be so happy to be there. She'd take my hand. I'd say, let's go over here and do this. Yes, yes, Mama, let's do this. She was absolutely having a wonderful time. Her big brown eyes would look up at me with eyes of love. Just, oh, Mommy, I love you. Thank you so much. Until I needed to instruct her or reprimand her or give her a choice or insist that she obey. Those same big brown eyes said, I'm mad at you. I, I don't. You must not love me. You're not letting me have what I want. 
Now, my love for her hasn't changed at all. My love for her is constant. But she falls in a place where she no longer has the feeling of trust in me, the feeling of love in me, because I've just said no. I've just said no. I think I find for many of us, our relationship with God's with God is like my relationship with Anissa when she was a little girl. I love and I trust him. I want to grow deeper. I want to be more mature. I want to be wise. But when I'm put in a situation that's painful, I balk. Do you feel that way? Why me? This shouldn't happen to me. What have I done? But Job teaches us that he learned to trust beyond his circumstances. I don't know what your circumstances are, but I know the circumstances of many people in my world, in the letters and uh, replies we get from these podcasts, the ministry notes, people who write and ask us for prayer, a lovely, lovely woman whose name I will not speak, but I know she's listening, who's has been listening to us since we began. And in those days, she had very little resources, and she would send us a teeny tiny check, and we were so grateful. God has changed her resources, and she has been sending us significantly large checks. I think, what is that? What, what changes? Our circumstance change? We move into a different place, but he says the same thing to us. I will never leave you or forsake you. Never, no matter what the circumstances are. What does sovereignty mean to you? What does sovereignty mean to you? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, period. I can do all things through Christ, so let's look at a little bit at this early history of the story of Job. In that first verse, which I just read, we're emphasizing his character. In verses 2 and 3, which I'm going to read to you, we are seeing his stuff. He has a lot of stuff. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He has 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and very many servants. Now, all of those are means of transportation. I, I haven't told them that yet, but I think there are thousands of means of transportation. His garage is full of a lot of vehicles. So, so that this man was the greatest of all the people in the East. So now we find, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. This is his character. Now we find out that he is stuff. He has a lot of stuff. So anything that could happen to him might happen to his stuff and might change who he is, well thought of, doing well in his community. Verse 4, he says, His sons used to go and hold feasts in one another's houses. In turn, they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the feast days had run their course, Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings. It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts, he said, but this is what Job always did. 
he had this amazing family. He had this amazing family. The priest of his family, and that's what he was, he prayed for them. So they would have these feasts and have these parties. I don't know, were they drunken brawls? I don't know, I wasn't there. But it's very clear that they have them regularly and they go from house to house. Um, maybe it's a progressive dinner or a progressive party, and he's the priest of his family, and he prays for them. Then in verse 6, it says, One day the heavenly belonged, came to be present before the Lord. Heavenly beings came to be present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them, and the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Hmm. Have, God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And he says, "There's." God goes on to say, there is no one like him on the earth, blameless, upright, fears God and turns away from evil. Whenever I read this, I think to myself, am I one of those things? Am I blameless? Am I upright? Do I turn away from evil? So God is saying to Satan, this is, this is a good guy. This is a great guy. You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand now and touch all that he has, Satan says, and he will curse you. Now, there are a lot of things going on here, and I'm going to go in one direction, but you can take those words and figure out for yourself. God and Satan are having a conversation, and God is so sure of his son Job that God gives permission to Satan. I don't care what you call that. This is another evidence of sovereignty. Mm -hmm. This is sovereignty. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? Something's going to happen to Job. What's Job going to do about this? Verses 13 through 19, it's a small passage. One day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them and the Sabians fell on them and carried them off and killed the servants with the edge of a sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them all. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The Chaldeans formed three columns, made a raid on the camels, carried them off, killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped. Are you getting the drift here of what's going on? Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came across the desert, struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead. I alone have escaped this to tell you. What does, what's going on here? Job is a man, remember what he, what it said about him. He is blameless, upright. I want to say it exactly right. I get confused when I'm trying to go back to it. He was blameless, upright, feared God. Blameless, upright, and feared God. Turning away from evil. Turning away from evil. 
I can think of a lot of evil things I might want to do if my children all have just been taken. Verses 20 and 21. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground, and worshipped. Do you want me to say that again? After all this news about his children, Jacob, Job tore off his clothes, tore off his robe, shaved his head, fell in the ground and worshipped. And you've heard these phrases spoken by many through the years of your life. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I know those words sound impossible to say, but here is a real live person that is written about in these 42 chapters who not only said it, but believed it. Sam Erickson, who is now in heaven, he's a lawyer who did a lot of international work helping communities find peace with one another. He lived in Washington, D.C. He, he stood at the Supreme Court's counters to um, try, have cases trialed, have, have trials held before the Supreme Court. But he always said, no matter what the outcome was, everybody on his staff knew they would always throw a party. No matter what the outcome was. And I remember meeting him the first time, that's many years ago now, and he told my husband and I that story. And David, well, David doesn't like to throw a party, period. He's just not a big party guy. He's come to be much more party guy since he lived with the party woman. But it was this powerful image of when you're defeated, you throw a party? That's what Erickson had done with his staff. And here we see when all is lost, Job rises, tears off his robe, shaves his head, falls on the God, and worships God. He worships God. We come to worship God for different reasons, don't we? We come to church. We worship God because he is God for all the attributes of God, his sovereignty, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence but not because he's taken all my children. Verse 21 says, And naked I came, and naked I shall return. Blessed be the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with any wrongdoing. We talked about wisdom a couple of days ago. This appears to me, it is a wisdom book, but this appears to me to be the optimum case of wisdom. He acknowledges that he has lost all his stuff, but he also acknowledges that all that stuff belonged to God. And this first attack on his children and then on his position, possessions and stuff, it's like God lit a fire or Satan lit a fire on your house and you lost everything. Or the tornado came through or a hurricane came through and the houses are crashed. And he still says that he is sovereignty of God. He believes in God gave and God taken. 
You think that Satan is through? No, he comes again. He comes again. In chapter 2 of this very long book, verses 1 to 3. On the day the heavenly beings came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking by and up and down on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth. He is still blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. He still persists in his integrity, although you incited him against me to destroy him for no reason. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all of that people they have given to save their lives. But stretching your hand now and touch him, bone on his flesh, and he will curse you. And the Lord said to Satan, Very well, he is in your power, only spare his life. So now, are you keeping count with me? Are you? He took all of his children. He took all of his 7,000 Mercedes. Wait, well, how many were there? I never totaled them up. How many donkeys and and 3,000 yoke of oxen and 500 donkeys? He had 20,000 vehicles. They're all gone. The houses are gone. The children are gone. And now God, in this conversation, given to us in the scripture to remind us there was a human being who lived through all of this. Mm. And this is what he did. And now God gives permission, and this time Job has boils all over his head, his entire body. This test is against Job personally. It's painful. It's physical. Lee and I were talking about all the net effects of COVID during our transition from one show to the next. (laughs) Think of this kind of net effect. Job, personally, full of pain and physicalness and sores and boils. In other portion of this book, we read about the details of the physical test. Many have said it was on his skin was akin to leukemia. He had a fever. He had constant itching. His skin oozed and his bone ached. Potsherd was an indication of being cast out of society, like the lepers were. And he went from man about town to being ostracized. I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot. I I feel like I have more than I could have ever dreamed to have in physicality and property and a decent reputation, work of my hand, a home to live with, in a home to invite others into. When I don't know what would happen to me if I lost all of that in kind of one fell swoop. Then his wife comes, his wife, his precious wife, who he's still married to, and she comes and says, you've got to curse God. You've got to curse God because if you don't, we're all going to die. We're going to die. And Job calls her foolish. Chapter 2 Verse 10, we're talking about wisdom, and he says to her, But he said to her, You speak as any foolish woman would speak. Shall we receive the good at the hand of God 
and not receive the bad? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. He did not curse God. Is this the end of the story? Hardly. Shall we accept good from God and not accept adversity? And here it is again. Do you want to be a woman, a man, a student who is wise, who believes in God through the hard part of the story, from the beginning of the story to the end of the story? I told you there are 42 more chapters. This, this, this goes on and on and on. His friends don't agree with him. His community ostracized him. He is sitting in a dung heap, basically, because he has no place to go. There are two reasons why I don't trust. Two reasons why I think human beings don't trust in the way <clears throat> Job trusted. One is I simply do not believe God is trustworthy. And I, I, I'm believing that almost everyone who is hearing this right now would say with their lips, God is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. Would you say the same thing if you knew that God was talking about you and giving permission to take away everything that matters to you, your children, your your home, your hearth, your driving cars, your reputation, would you have that same trust? Why does it take so hard, such a long time, for us to believe that he is truly trustworthy? And I think it's because we don't spend enough time knowing God, just knowing God, knowing God. What does it take? It takes time, it takes energy, it takes making a choice over other things. It takes time, it takes energy, it takes making a choice over other things. Sometimes I, I think it isn't happening fast enough. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Parenting isn't built in one moment. Marriages are not built in the first two weeks of marriage. It takes years and decades. Corey Timboom helped me with this when she said she had come from such a hard place, such a good place, and then was thrown in such a hard place. And she said, this is always about how well do I know God takes energy to know God. We have to study his word. We have to learn to listen to him. We have to know that he has a voice that speaks to you. And whenever you ask him a question, he has an answer. Are you listening? And then when you're listening, do you make the choice for him and what he's calling to you to do over all other things? I think sometimes as I've gotten older, and I am getting older, <clears throat> I think I already know that, God. I already know that. And then I hear him say, listen, listen, my daughter. You will see these things through different eyes. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. These powerful nine words spoken by Job the very beginning of a 42-chapter book describing a hellish nightmare that this man went through. 
God redeems it. God redeems it. I, I want to say to you, this is a time in our culture, in our country, in our individual lives that we are being tested. Having this conversation with Leah about COVID just keeps bringing to my mind how much pain has been caused. Mm -hmm. The loss of life, of course, but more than that, the loss of relationships, the enemies. It's, there's been no other time since the Civil War that families have been divided over wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm only telling you that God has called us to trust him no matter what happens and do what his voice calls you to, not to tell anybody else what to do. And then when you do what he calls you to do, do it in a way that is honoring to others. Love God, love others. God will ask you to do some hard things if you're coming to know him and trust him in the way Job did. Well, it's been hundreds and hundreds of years ago since Job lived on this earth. But I think we relate to Job in many ways. Do you believe that this God you serve is sovereign? He knows the day and the hour you will be born and the day and the hour you will leave. He loves you individually and he desires to speak to you. Yes, he has a voice to speak to you and speak to you directly. So I pray that this lesson <clears throat> from Modern Homemakers and My Heart is a lesson that will remind you that our giving ourselves totally and completely to God, who is a trustworthy God. Read the scripture. Study the scripture. Meditate on the scripture. Spend time with Jesus. Don't give up your time with God for anything else. There's no movie to watch, no TV to watch, no sport to play, no errands to run, nothing that is as important as spending time individually with the one true living God. So that you might say, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Mm. So good. So good. I love the reminder of he will never leave us or forsake us. Never. And if our fleshly or sin response is anger or shaking a fist at the Lord, um, may we turn to worship faster. I know yes. our natural response is, why me? Why now? Yeah. But if we can get to back to that place of worship and understanding and trusting the Lord faster, that would be a true blessing. Well, we are modern homemakers. Remember the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make your day uncommon with remembering that the Lord is always with us. Thanks.